Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Department 12 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina. As I record this message, we are in the midst of a uh, viral pandemic, global pandemic. And uh, as of about five hours before I turned on the microphones, uh, the president was on the television and he was releasing some new federal guidelines encouraging employees to work from home if at all possible. I believe that's a first in, in U.S. history that we've had that kind of guideline. A lot of companies are ahead of the curve on this, and they've already started sending people home to work if they can. Uh, many of them have never really done a program like this or extensively before, so it's a real challenge. And I know that many of you listeners, uh, IO psychologists, whether you're academic practitioners, uh, grad students, or whoever you are, you're, you're being looked to for advice. Uh, people want expert advice as they implement remote working under these less than ideal circumstances. So joining me for tonight's episode is Dr. Sarah Perry. How are you tonight, Sarah? Doing well. Thank you. So Sarah is the, an assistant professor of management at Baylor University. She's also an expert in stress and work, including remote work and leadership, among other topics. So great guest to have. Uh, I see this as being the first of probably a couple of episodes on this very important topic. So let's start here, uh, Sarah. There have have there ever been uh, research? Has there ever been research that you're aware of that deals specifically with this issue of implementing a remote work program under these you know very stressful situations? So there has been uh, some writing recently on what people think that organizations should do. The only research that I've found that's an actual study that looked like it was an opportunistic study in New Zealand after uh, some earthquakes in 2014, the study was published in 2015, and it looked at a very broad implementation, quick implementation of home-based work. And they found some interesting things that are actually consistent with the remote work literature. Um, But one of the things that was kind of interesting and unique to a disaster kind of thing was um, that individuals they found were actually ready to come back to work before the organizational resources or capacity allowed for it. So that was kind of, I bet we're going to run into some of that with this particular situation where I know even in our own organization, people are scrambling to get the technology Mm -hmm. they need to be able to do their work remotely. So that was one particular. Yeah. Yeah. So some of our listeners are going to be talking to managers who are managing virtual teams for the first time in their careers. And it's pretty common uh, for those managers to express some skepticism about uh, productivity and job performance of remote workers. Uh, Specifically, there's the skepticism like, hey, is the work actually going to get done? So could you speak to what the research tells us about job performance and productivity among remote workers? Yes, absolutely. The research is very clear that uh, remote work can lead to great outcomes in terms of productivity, job attitudes like satisfaction, commitment, engagement, and well-being, reducing strain, reducing work-family conflict, and those other um, unpleasant states that we find ourselves in. And so, in general, there are there are also, of course, um, some very important boundary conditions and. Number one on the top of the list is autonomy. So it's really, um, really counterproductive to try to let people work remotely if you don't give them the proper amount of flexibility and discretion to make decisions and do the work that 
the way that it needs to be done. And so lots of research finds that that flexibility in terms of time, schedule, location can really help employees. And if managers try to micromanage from a distance, that can really backfire. There are obviously contextual issues with that as well, or boundary conditions as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it kind of speaks to maybe some advice our listeners want to provide, which is that, hey, if you're skeptical about this to begin with, your your natural tendency is going to be to, to try to uh, put your workers under a microscope, uh, manage them even more closely than you did when they were in the office. And what the research is showing is that, that that's probably going to backfire on you. It's going to take away the autonomy that, uh, you know, that makes this work. Um, now, most of the research, uh, as we mentioned earlier, it doesn't address specifically, um, you know, implementing a remote work or work from home program and these uh, very stressful conditions. But there's a lot of research on remote work in general. Could you just tell us about one or two that you think we, we really can apply to this situation that would be good for our listeners to be able to, to share with those who are asking them for advice? Yes. Uh, One of the biggest things is that you think about what needs are met at work and try to compensate for those needs at home. So isolation is one of the biggest concerns with remote work. In this case, many of us who have families or partners are probably uh, have more than enough people around us, but we aren't around our coworkers. And so Thinking about ways to not feel isolated from your coworkers, ways to proactively communicate. There's actually another area of research on uh, situational awareness and emergency readiness. And um, I did some of this when I was in graduate school. We visited a lot of emergency operations centers. I think there's something to be learned from that area as well, because they implement very structured, proactive communication, typically beginning of the day and end of the day. They have sort of a status meeting. Uh, so it's not that teams and leaders need to do that much communication, but to think about how to stay in touch and demonstrate your support for people as they're working remotely and also knowing that they have a lot of challenges at home to face as mm-hmm. well. So just thinking about those needs and, and it could be physical needs too, like resources you need from the office that you need to figure out how to get those at home. That's number one, I would yeah. say. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that, that's something I've been uh, sharing with folks a lot in, in my own circle is that uh, although we don't need to be micromanaging people, we do need to be very intentional about keeping up a, a steady stream of communication because so much of the communication that happens in an office environment, it just sort of happens. You know, you, you, yeah. you are walking around, you run into somebody, you see somebody at the lunch table and these conversations, small talk, all those social bonds that we build at work. They just happen without a whole lot of effort. They're just not going to happen when you're at your home in front of a computer unless a leader, uh, you know, takes responsibility to make it happen. Uh, What else have you found that you think might be useful? Well, one of the things that uh, it's sort of a myth in among maybe practitioners sometimes is or maybe managers is uh, that if people go remote, they have fewer career opportunities. And I think this plays into the role or the responsibility of the remote worker to stay in touch as well. So the the earlier study I referenced in New Zealand actually did find that this arrangement of remote work was the hardest on the leaders. And I think part of that was probably due to the coordination and constant need to keep up with what was going on and their employees. 
But it is also the responsibility of the employee to keep in touch and to show that you are proactively engaged and, you know, demonstrate that engagement you have for your work. If you want to show that you can do this and it could lead to some future opportunities if you do it well in this situation in terms of remote work. Yeah, Uh, that that uh, sort of rings true for me. And some of the research I've been reading lately suggests that even under ideal circumstances where things are planned out far in advance, managing a virtual team is is more complex than managing a co-located team. So this is a, an opportunity for leaders to grow, even if they didn't necessarily pick that opportunity for themselves. Absolutely. And I think really some thoughtful, intentional interaction, um, points of interaction can go a really long way. So it's not that you have to be in touch all day, every day, but when you do interact really to demonstrate concern because everyone's under a higher level of stress to realize that, to manage expectations, to make sure it's clear as far as what everyone needs to do and how often we check in and things like that. I think that also leads to another really important point, which is setting boundaries. So one of the things in remote work in general, that in order to be successful, we really have to figure out what our boundaries are. And it's going to be a lot harder right now because most of us are at home with our entire families. And typically we would say, try to have a separate space to work Uh, make sure you have specific time and it's clear, you know, I'm working right now. I can't be interrupted, but we are, a lot of us won't have that luxury right now. So we're going to have to figure out how to implement some of that to still get work done while we also get all of our other family responsibilities accomplished. Like homeschooling, like a lot of us are going to be doing now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's another piece of advice that I've shared is that, you know, this is not the ideal circumstance where people are going to be going off to Ikea and building their, their dream home office before we get started. They're just going to be clearing (laughs) off the dining room table, doing what they can, when they can, where they can. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you hear kids and dogs in the background, it's just, it can't be a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have Um, to let that stuff go at this point. Yeah. You know, another thing that that reminds me of though, especially with the thinking about yourself in the dining room, you know, surrounded by all the chaos of your house, you do have to think about when you're going to shut it off. I've, I've even noticed this in myself in the past several days, it's hard to shut it off. Not only the news, but also the work I'm doing, um, especially in regard to this topic. So Really try to have some discipline about shutting it off and giving your time self for uh, time for self restoration recovery. Because if you keep it on, you're just going to burn out and your stress level will go higher, higher, higher. Uh, and you might have some negative yeah. outcomes from that. Yeah, I think that's a real danger uh, in the current circumstances because, uh, again, very informally, I've observed that uh, many people, including myself, when we work from home, uh, there's a tendency to just never shut it off, that the boundaries slip and, you know, you're answering emails and answering phone calls even later into the evening than you normally would. Uh, so it's kind of the opposite of what new managers might imagine that it would be. And then I suspect that that whole tendency is getting uh, even more magnified by the current situation. Um, in addition to constantly checking the news and finding out what the latest news is about the COVID-19 outbreak, we're also very aware of, um, you know, how crucial it is to keep the business running wherever we happen to work. And so uh, I think that's something we need to watch out for. And I think that kind of uh, points to another good topic, which is 
there's so much that we don't have formal research on. Uh, and it's true for every topic, but maybe especially for this. So is there anything you would share just from your own experience that you think might be useful, even if there's not a, you know, a peer-reviewed study necessarily about it? Yeah, I I would say, and this comes from even my work in more general stress literature, I think we have to think about this balance of stressors and resources and or demands and resources. And we're all familiar, anyone who's read anything in the occupational health literature is familiar with those terms. But we have to realize that the side of the equation with demands is super high right now. So it's already depleting a lot of our resources. And that's why it's so important to build in time to replenish those in some way. Otherwise, it starts to affect your work, your attention, your really overall well-being, and even your sleep. I've noticed even for myself lately. So that turning it off, but also finding other ways to lower that stress level and replenish your resources just personally is super important in this situation because we don't have clear, you know, driving home from work. Our commute sometimes is that transition. And for me, Mm -hmm. I just need some sort of transition or times away. So maybe it's a walk around the neighborhood or something that gets you away that serves as a transition. So that's helped me. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing personally that I would say is uh, figuring out how to manage everyone's schedule that's at home with you in parallel. So we have to work in parallel because we all have to work and we're still all trying to figure this out. So I'm definitely no expert, but I have two kids that I'm going to have to homeschool now for the next three weeks, at least, and maybe the rest of the semester. So um, I have to figure out how to get them self-directed. So I'm really taking some lessons from my homeschooling friends on that one. I think that we're going to have to learn on the fly here because we have a full-time job already. Uh, for those of us that are used to working remotely, we, we know kind of how to manage it, but usually we don't have our kids with us. So there's, we have to have some grace for ourselves to and each other because we cannot do everything. There is no way that we can do everything. We just have to recognize that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, um, my wife and I, uh, homeschool our, our four kids actually, you know, my wife does the homeschooling part. So she calls today Monday, <laughs> you know, this is, uh, but it's a different situation when you're, uh, one is, you know, like you said, you're working in parallel, you're trying to manage these schedules and you're also, I'm assuming getting, uh, input from the school district on, on what it is to the assignments that need to be turned in, uh, that kind of thing. So right. it's, it's like everybody got a couple of new jobs that we're all working, uh, right now on, exactly. uh, anything else that, that you'd like to offer in closing? Maybe also to recognize, and this might be especially for leaders or anyone finding themselves overseeing remote workers. Uh, some of my own research has found that certain people are going to experience this a lot more seriously and maybe be less effective in kind of rolling with the punches. And so really be aware of how people are handling it. So if you can keep a finger on the pulse of your employees and who some people really don't like autonomy. Some people actually mm-hmm. get more stressed out by autonomy. So just maybe don't let them fly out there by themselves completely and really just try to cater to what each di- different employee needs. And this is why leaders do have a really big load to carry because they have to adjust to each person and try to meet that in addition to their own demands. 
Yeah, I think that's great, um, great advice and maybe something that our listeners could pass on to the the managers and, and the employees that they're trying to help is that, you know, recognize that this is a big challenge. This is going to be hard. Uh, and the more you realize that, the more you can prepare for it, prepare for the, the setbacks um, and, and get ready for the challenge because you may not have asked for it, but it's upon us and it's on you as a leader. Uh, to pick up the ball and keep things moving. Sarah, I want to thank you very much for what I think has been a very uh, informative episode, and I really appreciate you taking your time uh, to talk to us tonight. Thanks. I enjoyed the conversation. I hope some uh, valuable nuggets came out of it for people.